With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, welcome to episode 35 of the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. I'm Kurt Schilling. He's Bill Graff. Good afternoon, Bill. How are we doing today? We're doing wonderful, Kurt. How are you? I'm good. Lots of cool, funny stories to get past. And Oreo cookie and sour cream is the bomb, by the way. If the listeners haven't heard it, look you up on Twitter and the video is hysterical. <laughs> I did it on Twitter. I did it on Facebook. And there's a, it basically, real quick, there's a guy on TikTok who's got like a million followers. He's called uh, the No Way what the F guy. And basically what people send him these life hacks, some are industrial, some are mechanical and some are food. And someone sent him a a hack and the hack was dipping Oreo cookies in sour cream. And he's like, no way. He's like Canadian. He's hilarious. Anyway, I did it. Watch the video. So here's the Oreo cookie and here is the sour cream. Oh my God. That's like cheesecake. Let's start with uh, in Washington with Nationals pitcher Mackenzie Gore and outfielder Victor Robles. Gore gave up a line drive to center and Robles got a horrible jump on the ball and made literally no effort to catch it after that. Um, and there was a, uh, a dugout exchange. And then Martinez, Dave Martinez, manager said, they talked about it. We talked about it. it's good. It happens. We're trying to compete. It happens. I just want to make sure that nothing was going to go crazy there in the dugout. And I just got between them. It was good. A few words were said, and then it was done. I had a, a, an incident very similar. I go to Boston. I don't remember how many starts in. I want to say this is May sometime. Carlos Delgado's at the plate, and we're winning 4 nothing or something. And I give up. Uh, he hits a pop-up down the left field line. And Manny jogs in from left. He's jogging, and the ball drops in fair and bounces out for a double. There's no doubt in my mind he could have caught the ball in his back pocket if he'd been running. At the end of the inning, I come in, and I set my glove down, and I immediately turn left, and I'm going to head to the end of the dugout and where he's at. And Jason Veritek stops me like with hand on my chest. He's like, you can't. I'm like, what do you mean I can't? He's like, not here, not now. I'm like, I'm dropping F-bombs. I'm like... And he's like, I know, I know, we'll deal with it, but just don't do it now. I was like, okay, trusting him. And and it was the right thing to do. It wasn't, I ended up blowing the game, by the way. We lost, I, we had like a seven to four, one lead. I blew the game in the eighth inning, but I let that bother me big time uh, for the rest of the game. And I'd seen that happen. Uh, the times that I got, Manny and I got into a little bit were, were all around that effort. I had a problem with anybody and effort and, and but that wouldn't have been the right time to do it, and I would have done it inappropriately had he let me go, which is ended up being a good thing. But that happens a lot. Not a lot. It happens often, I guess is how I should say, in the big leagues. Uh, you saw Papelbon and, and uh, Bryce Harper when they were in Washington. I've seen other ones. It's happened. Uh, I know Machado. It's happened with a couple guys. But you got to have – I think you have to have that guy. You have to have that guy on the bench or those guys on the bench to hold each other account. It can't be the manager. It can't be the manager pulling the guy and benching him. It's got to it, – it, on the good teams, it's got to be a player. That was the interesting thing here to me, Kurt. This is a team 17 games under five hundred. And they're at least showing some passion in the, in the yeah. dugout. That's got to be a good sign for Martinez. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I'm a pitcher. I'm out there. I'm giving everything I got. I'm expecting every guy behind me to be doing the very same thing. 
And and if I have a problem with it, now there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. I'm probably I'm pretty sure it probably isn't on the bench, but you know emotions are hot, and and that's what happens. On to the next one. This is bothersome to me because in many ways I've always been a fan of the replay because for me in the replay you have you, you have a chance to be perfect. A game can go. 27 outs, and with replay, every out can be legitimate. Uh, any bad calls can be overturned, and we know major league umpires make a ton of bad calls, wrong calls, not bad calls. Uh, in the White Sox-Rangers game the other day, Bochi contested a play at home, and he was right. Both of these have to do with catchers' play blocking in this new ridiculous rule. Catchers can't be in front of the plate. Block, they block it. Anyway, Jonah Heim was blocking the plate, doing it properly per the rules. The umpires called the runner safe, saying he illegally blocked the plate. Replay was blatantly obvious well uh, let me j- jump to the next one too in san diego padres giants blake sobel got thrown out by uh fernando Tatis jr gary sanchez was blocking the play so you had two calls on opposite ends of the spectrum and both were blown after the replay which to me is un- unconscionable because i think they're both blatantly obvious I don't know about you, Bill, but I didn't think there was any controversy. I thought that the calls were both wrong. They both should have been overturned. I thought Sanchez, under the current rule, did what they tell you not to do. That's to get in front of the plate and straddle the third baseline. You can't do that. You have to give the runner a pass. Right. And I probably would almost side with you on that one. I, I, you know, I tend to agree. Bob Melvin, the manager of the Padres, based on where he started, it looked like they showed the replay from when the throw was already on the way. And as a catcher... You have to come have some feel for that. You've got to also understand the impact on where the runner was. To me, it was just one of the worst calls I've seen this year. By the way, the Giants uh, had won 10 straight in their two and a half games back of Arizona. Uh, the first one was was horrible. Was first one was and, flat out horrible. Yeah. And, and and again, I don't know how it happens with teams with the replay being as obvious uh, as it is. Anyway, let's go to the Reds. Uh, as of today, they have now won 11 straight and they lead the Central by a game and a half. I got to read these numbers. Ellie Dela Cruz has played in 14 games since he's been called up. He's got 14 runs scored, 18 hits, six RBIs, six walks, and he's hitting 321. So for 14 days, he's probably been the best player in baseball at the age of like, what is he, 12? 20. Bill? He's like, yeah, but he's yeah. 20. Yeah, he's like 13 years old. So, um, <laughs> and the Reds are legit. And the question, like I said last show, guys, uh, Bill and, and uh, John and Cal will ask me questions about different stuff. Uh, where Was I ever on a team that had low expectations? So I played on the 1989 Orioles, which was one of the better, almost went from last to first in the AL East. And then I was on the 1993 Phillies, which is still one of the greatest teams in Philadelphia history. Still a beloved team. Actually, they're having the 30-year reunion this year of that team. And we went from last to first. And except for Joe Carter, would have been World Series champions. Uh, one of the most beloved teams ever. And those are special years. Those are, I mean, and you've got a couple teams this year on that route. The Orioles, the, the Diamondbacks, the Reds for sure, that are doing that, just that. Uh, Vegas is probably very unhappy for anybody that put futures bets on them. Reds lost seeing, 100 games last year. No, they were horrible. They were the Royals A's of 2023. Absolutely. So at the core of all of those things are young superstar players. All of them. Corbin Carroll might be the best player in the big leagues right now. Yep. Um, Dela Cruz is right there. Pirates are doing well, but you've got Adley Rushman, Gunnar Henderson. You've got, you know, a couple guys over in Baltimore, young, young studs. I think they're all real. It, w- the, the question will be how these guys hold up in August and September in months they've never played meaningful baseball games before. That's the question. That's the test. Don't know how they're going to do, but I, I think those teams are well positioned. And I think that that bodes well for 
fans in those cities for the next couple of years. On the opposite side of things, a team whose over-under was probably around 100 wins, uh, at least, the Yankees. Uh, Michael Kay had an interview uh, the other day on the S Network with Hal Steinbrenner, and he uh, asked about all the fa- anger from the fan base, and here's the quote. I understand from Steinbrenner. I understand that they're upset. I'm a little confused this year, being the third week of June, why they're so upset. But they're upset, and that's going to get my attention, of course. Everybody just needs to know that we're working hard on all fronts to get this back on the rails and start playing like we were for a couple weeks there in May. In June, the Yanks are dead last in OPS and batting average. They have just 96 hits on the month. No team has fewer than 111 for the Mariners except for the Yanks. And they're nine and a half games behind the first place race. That's the stat that scares you. I, I'm not sure that Hal Steinbrenner understands the major league schedule because he's using the third week of June as a reason that they shouldn't be upset. And it's the exact opposite. <laughs> third week of June is uh, nearing the halfway point and you need to be concerned. And there's a pretty good chance, barring a miracle, you're not going to make up the nine and a half games on Tampa because they're just not going to play that poorly. Making up nine and a half games means basically you have to go 10 and 0 when the other team goes 0 and 10. And that's a 10 game better. But I will say this, let's go back to the balanced schedule. That will change things. It will change things, I think, for the better and for the worse. You're not going to get an extra six or seven games against the Rays, which you could use to make up that ground. But you are going to get an extra five to six games against the Royals and the A's that you wouldn't otherwise have some yin and yang there. And, um, and the Yankees, they're giving no indication of when judge is going to come back. Right. They don't know when Stanton's going to come back. There's a lot of questions and yeah. big salaries not contributing yeah. to those. But, OPS that's always the, it's always the case with, when a Yankee player is out, it's always a big salary there. Cause there aren't any that's players true. on the Yankees without big salaries, but when you're in, the MVP of the league is out, that's a concern. But the other thing is, you know, Bill Stanton and Judge coming back doesn't mean they're going to come back and stay healthy the rest of the year. You know, you're hoping to get him back, and that's all great and well. But I mean, are you actually getting him back, expecting him to play in every game for the last 80 games of the season? I'm not. Neither one of them has been able to consistently stay healthy. No, that's so, true. That'll be interesting. But the Yankees pay for a World Series every year and expect the World Series, and that's just. If you don't want those expectations, don't go play. Don't put the pinstripes on because that's every year and it's rightfully so. So uh, moving on to Colorado, Carl Kaufman was called up from Albuquerque, AAA Albuquerque. He was supposed to make the start on Wednesday and he did not get to the ballpark in time. Not really sure how that happens. I'm going to go on the on the uh, premise that he did everything he could do. Uh, schedule-wise, and flights just didn't arrange themselves in the right way. This is even crazier to me, though. He didn't get to the ballpark in time to make the start, so somebody else made the start. And after two innings, they brought him in in the third, which is crazy. I'm I'm guessing this is a bullpen rest issue. Got too many arms tired. You bring him in no matter what. He threw two scoreless innings and ran into uh, problems in the in the bottom of the fifth. He loaded the bases after a single hit batter walk, and that was his major league debut. Certainly memorable. I don't know if, if that's for the right or wrong reasons, but um, I don't know that I ever ran into stories like that. Mainly because, I mean, every time that I got called up or the times that I got called up, it was never to start a game. You did get called up mid-season, Kurt? When was that? I did. I got called up. So I was a September call-up in 88. I was a September call-up in 89. In, September, in 1990, I called up right around the All-Star break. And then I was in the big leagues for the rest of my career for the most part. Those are always very interesting experiences and crazy experiences because, the tra- again, the travel's crazy. So anyway, he got there uh, and he got the pitch. And then <laughs> I had to laugh at this one. So Juan Soto... In a game with against the Giants, 
Mike Kruko in the middle of an inning and looking uh, into left field, realizing there isn't one. Uh, and he says, oh, my God, we don't have a left fielder. Is this the big leagues? Soto comes out of the dugout a few minutes later, presumably after a bathroom break, and was greeted with a healthy course of booze from the San Francisco crowd. They never disappoint. Gabe Kapler had a brief discussion with Martin, Manny Gonzalez. Don't play dump, but the Padres were not penalized. So, and it was a nationally televised one, by the way. We're playing the Yankees, and I don't remember. I don't think I was pitching. I can't remember if I was pitching or not. But uh, they come back from a TV timeout. And the game is not playing. And everybody's wondering why the game's not playing. And they look out in left field and there's no Manny. Apparently, Manny had to take a bathroom break. And he did so inside the Green Monster in Fenway. And uh, a couple minutes later, the door opens and Manny walks out to a raucous standing ovation from the Fenway faithful uh, and proceeds to play the game. Uh, After the game, everybody was asking him and he's like, I had to go to the bathroom. Like going inside the monster was just the answer, I guess. I don't know because there is no restroom back there. The two guys keeping score back there, sorry for them. You know, it's funny. I don't know why, and this has just popped up in my head, but as I get older, some of the dreams I have now are are of things like this. I dream about showing up at the park 10 minutes before a game I'm supposed to start, and I wake up in a panic. I, I don't know who else has scary dreams and wakes up sweating, but this one makes me sweat. Well, us normal people dream about not studying for a test and walking into a classroom okay. to right. take yeah. an so exam. I guess there is an you, equivalent. Yeah. There's no, a little I, difference. <laughs> oh my God. I I it's it's so freaky because I I dream about not being on time and then starting the game anyway and using my pitches to warm up. Like it's so and I like I said, I wake up and I'm like breathing heavy, like panic. <laughs> Yuri Perez, Marlins pitcher Yuri Perez. In his last 27 innings, he's given up one earned run. So that's basically three complete games. And think about that. The, the record, Oral Hershiser, I think it's 55 innings. 55 innings without allowing an earned run. Yuri Perez has given up one in 27 innings, which is awesome. His ERA is 154. There's a reason Miami is contending and yeah. only six back of the Braves. They didn't call this kid up until May 12th. So he's had eight starts since May yep. 12th. He's four and one from 41 innings and has 45 Ks. That's a hell no, of a start. Yeah, no, this is uh, they uh, hopefully they learn their lesson after the Zach Gallon trade. But yeah, the Marlins are, are uh, I, I, and I wonder, is this part of what Derek Jeter did? You know, I mean, he the franchise was a mess when he was involved. I'm not so sure that he didn't have a big hand in how this played out, their minor league system and their prospects. I'd be curious to know how much of an impact he did have. Uh, this next one I, I love um, because this is Beaks. Spencer Strider of the Braves is the second pitcher since 1901, and you know how I feel about things like this, in a game that's over a century old with tens of thousands of players, uh, he is the, just the second pitcher since 1901 to punch out 300 hitters in his first 35 starts, joining the White Gooden. That's a profound number. And, uh, you know, yes, strikeouts are up now. And I think the strikeout as a value metric around pitching has probably lost some value from an evaluation standpoint, because I think the strikeout rates and strikeouts per nine have all gone up appropriately. So I think the old one strikeout per inning guy is not nearly as rare and uncommon as as it then as it was now, as it is now. Uh, he also has 37 punch outs in relief that aren't included. Pretty impressive. Uh, beyond pretty impressive. When you're joining Dwight Gooden and only Dwight Gooden, you're in uh, a pretty amazing crowd. I want to do a, a top 10 list uh, next Tuesday, but I want you guys to let me know what it is you want to see. And it can be anything. We're going to do a, a 
We're going to do a top five, uh, every position I played for, every position I played against. We'll do a top 10 uh, best players of all time, pre and post integration. We'll do it. We'll field a lineup, top five games of my career, top five games I've witnessed in my career. But I want something unique from you guys. To, I, and, I, and you the one play. I want is the top five guys you hated to face. Oh, that'll be an easy list. And I promise you, Todd Helton will be on that list, if not at the top. But we'll yeah, definitely okay, get so to that's that. We'll do, that's actually, Bill, we'll do that. The five guys I didn't want to face. Top five guys I didn't want to face on Tuesday. That's a good one, because it's very easy for me. I can run about 10 out, actually. Uh, most of them <laughs> being left-handed. So Was it because you were you were a fastball pitcher that you didn't, you said you I could move it? I don't know. I, I don't, I honestly don't know, because there wasn't really a common thread amongst them. Okay. Um, I can see as a breaking ball pitcher or something like that. Why you know what it is? What it was was I think there you hear hitters talk about it, and I remember there was a guy named Chris Nabholtz who was a left-hander for the Expos, and I remember Lenny Dykstra saying that he despised facing Chris Nabholtz because he didn't see the ball out of his hand, and I think that there were just guys who saw it easier off out of me than 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 other guys, guys that I didn't make uncomfortable. I think that was it. I think hitters. For the most part, average hitters are good hitters that you don't really remember a lot about. They just had guys they saw the ball better with from, uh, or or they were guys who knew me, who studied me, and I didn't I didn't reciprocate. Uh, I didn't realize till later on because I knew every game they were on the lineup. You know, oh my god, you know Grissom's leading off today. Holy crap! You know what am I going to do to this guy? Because I I felt like I'd done everything in the past, and I hadn't, but I felt like I had. So. That's actually kind of a cool, interesting list. And right off the top of my head, one, two, only two of the six that I listed are lefties. But you'll hear some names you haven't heard in a long time. Excellent. So Looking forward to Tuesday already. Yep. Have a great weekend, guys. Outkick.com on the right side. Oh, by the way, guys, uh, Roger Clemens reached out. We're going to have an interview with Rocket at some point, and that's going to be fun. Uh, we also have a Peter Gammons interview we're going to run as the month's in, in the time coming up, I'm going to be away for some time, so we'll probably end up running them then. Yeah, you can look forward to Peter Gammons on July 4th. July 4th, Peter Gammons. And then, uh, like I said, Rocket will be on at some point, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I have not had a chance to catch up with him since since I went away from the game, and and there's a lot to unpack in that conversation. We also heard from Johnny Damon, who has said oh, he'd like to come on. So another okay. former teammate. So. That will be an interesting conversation, yes. to say the least. We're at outkick.com on the right side of the front page. You can see shows, click on shows, drop down menu, find Kurt Schilling baseball show. We're on Spotify as well. So you guys have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, guys. Bill, uh, John Cowell, talk to you guys on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday.